Alright, good morning everybody. John here. I am back to talk to you about another 10 of the trending articles in the crypto news space. So, um, yeah, cool. Let's dive in. Though, as always, make sure you've subscribed and thanks to all those who have done so. Really do appreciate it. Really lets me know I'm doing something right out here, I guess. And all articles talked about in this episode, if you go down into the description, there will be either a link or the articles themselves, depending on where, where you're finding this, um, that you can follow to do your own research and learn about these things yourselves. Please always, always, always do your own research. Do not take anything I say or anything else anyone <laughs> says as gospel. Make your own decision. Um, just make sure you are using data and trends and not just your gut. Um, your gut is a great way to go when the information ends, but if there's more information to be had and it disagrees with you, well, guess what? That information is more than likely correct, especially if it's, you're finding it in five or six different places. Fortunate. But hey, let's jump on in to these 10 articles, because I know, just like you, I don't got all day today. So, Tron. Ooh, good old Tron. It's been popping up more and more. I've had to talk about it on the channel a few times. Not always positively, because Justin Sun is quite the controversial figure, but this is a good one. So, Tron's price is on the rise. I believe it's uh, posting up around three cents right now, which is pretty nuts if you ask me. Um, I think it was down below a penny there for a while. In fact, it looks like the whole market's in the green right now. Yeah, Tron's uh, just nipping at three cents. Not too shabby. But uh, this is probably because of a multitude of things, but we're here to talk about its attack on Ethereum's DeFi sector. Eh, eh we'll call it that, I guess. Uh, the Zero Knowledge Proofs feature was integrated into the Tron Virtual Machine on Friday, so DAP developers can now use that technology. And next Tuesday, we're going to see the launch of JustSwap, which is Tron's alternative to the Ethereum's successful Uniswap. So the price increase of over 47% in the past month and 24% in the last week alone, and it looks like it's up about 10% on the day right now, so it's doing pretty good. Tron is back into the top 15 cryptocurrencies by market cap. There we go. I know Justin Sun would love for it to get into the top 10. <laughs> But uh, there's a lot of reasons for it, but one of them would be good old Justin announcing on Friday that the Tron's network's voting request number 40, or proposal number 39, was approved on August the 14th, about 8 p.m. SCT. Uh, the pros proposal, dear lord, introduces zero-knowledge proofs to Tron's virtual machine as part of Tron 4.0, which we already touched on up there. So yeah, that is pretty good. Um, it is a pretty good innovation for Tron, um, and it'll help them build up the ecosystem and all that fun stuff. Um, it'll let you know anyone who wants to develop protect user data with a lot more privacy um, and all that fun stuff. So it is pretty good. So already in June, the public testing for the privacy protocol and its smart contracts was completed and introduced and put into Tron back in July. But hey, with proposal number 39, now the virtual machine can be extended to include it as well. So it's pretty nice. Um, those zero knowledge proofs are very good for user privacy because you don't have to give them your information to prove it. 
simply by the fact that it's been verified by the blockchain previously is good enough, which I agree. Why do you have to show your driver's license every single time you want to buy beer when you showed it once? <laughs> Three months ago to the same cashier that you check out with every time, and they ask for it every single time. They know you. They ask for it anyways. This on the blockchain shows that, yeah, it's been checked recently in the past, so I don't have to show it again. So, cool. And then, of course, old Just DeFi. It's currently uh, coming up next week. Oh, man, looks like uh, talking August 18th, so pretty soon. Oh, man. So, yeah, they're currently working on it to compete with Ethereum's DeFi sector. Uh, it's just the alternative. Launched launching tomorrow what fun so in addition the JST token which is the native token of Tron's just decentralized lending platform is also providing proving popular since it launched back in the beginning of May it was uh, risen from 0.7 cents to 7 cents so it's, it's a 10x 100% in three months not too not too shabby not, not too shabby at all and then Additionally, uh, Sun recently announced the expansion of Tron's DeFi sector to include BitTorrent token, BTT, which Tron owns BitTorrent, uh, and it can be earned through yield farming on Tron's Just DeFi platform. So Tron and Justin are chasing the DeFi train. He gets a lot of criticism for not being very original, but he is, I have to admit, a good hype man, and all these things make Tron more appealing, more usable, and give it more use cases, and it increases the price. I do own some Tron. I was down 90% from its all-time high. I'm now only down 70%, so keep it up. I might get to even. <laughs> give me back to that 10-cent Tron I bought. Oh, man. If I could go back in time, guys, there are like I'm looking at two, and Tron is one of them where I was like, I shouldn't have bought that when I bought that. I just, I shouldn't have. <laughs> but uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm not saying Tron's not a good buy. It's just I shouldn't have bought that at 10 cents. I should have bought it at a penny, and I should count myself lucky right now for a 3x. But, yeah, no, Tron's got some good stuff going on with it. I'm very interested to see where it goes from here, partially so that way I can get back to even, and partially because I... I go back and forth on Tron so much. Justin Sun has done a lot of things that should be critiqued. And he's done a lot of things that are not, you know, good. Accusations of plagiarism, which I think honestly are kind of justified. Though what that means, these are all open source protocols. You can take whatever you want from anyone else. There's no patent. There's no copyright. So legally, there's nothing anyone can do. But yeah, it's kind of shysty to just wholesale rip off you know, code and not cite the other person. Like, if you just include a citation, I would give zero, zero cares. But because you didn't, I care like 0.1. Because like legally, there's nothing. So, all right, well, let's hop on over to article number two. We got to talk about Ave a little bit. Um, so Ave is one of the hottest new projects, according to this guy, in the decentralized finance space. It has several exciting new features lined up for the upcoming phase slash version two of the Ave protocol. I want to talk about it because this is exactly what I want to see out of a DeFi project. So in case you're wondering, the name Ave, it's actually a Finnish word that means ghost. So it was chosen by the team because they are focused on building an open and transparent DeFi platform. I like it. 
I, I like it. That's a good name. Uh, Ave's logo you'll see sometimes is actually shown as a ghost. Um, not too often, but uh, it's there. So Ave is a decentralized, non-custodial money market protocol that users can participate in as depositors or borrowers. So, you know, like DeFi. Uh, you earn interest on what you deposit, and those assets can be used as collateral to borrow others. So you're, you're pretty standard DeFi stuff, though they do have some fairly innovative features on Aave. They have flash loans, uh, the ability to choose stable versus a variable borrowing rate, and you can delegate your credit. So not too bad. Uh, they use the Lend token on there, and that's how they do like protocol government, and you know it's burnt and all these other things. So the supply reduces, and in theory the price goes up. All that fun stuff. All that fun stuff. So yeah, so oh God, it was the end of July. Yeah, 29th. Stanley Kulachov, founder and CEO of Ave, published a blog post. Uh, They're talking about this tokenomics upgrade called the Aveonomics proposal. Like economics, but Aveonomics. <laughs> the proposal of which is to transition Ave to a fully decentralized government model. Um, under this proposal, a new government's token called Ave will be replacing Lend which makes sense. It's the Aave protocol, but use a Lend token. Now it'll just be Aave protocol, Aave token. Cool. Lend will be migrated over to Aave via a Genesis con governance vote. So 100 Lend is going to equal one Aave. So you'll see a further reduction in the supply, which would be nice. Um, I'm keeping my eye on that. I think once that conversion is done, um, Aave is going to be in a much better spot. But uh, this Aave V2 that we're talking about isn't just this tokenomics upgrade. So Max Zeller published this back on August the 14th. You know, new features and enhancements will be coming to Aave Protocol V2. Um, and there's basically like three categories. Governance, so better vote delegation. You can vote from a cold wallet and it moves governance over to the users a lot more. Native trading functionalities, which I'm not gonna go into. And then what I think any good DeFi project needs to upgrade, and that is the user experience. Good old UX. To draw in new people into the DeFi space, it needs to be easier to navigate and use. I shouldn't have to watch a 30 minute YouTube video on how to trade DeFi and go, okay, I'm gonna rewatch that video. <laughs> um, it's a very new thing and there's a lot of little things that we learn daily, weekly, monthly, and all that stuff that's like, oh, you know, if there was a button for that, that'd be a lot easier. Oh, you know, I've got 15 buttons for this thing, and I could just simplify it down to five. So those types of learning, and it, it's no knock on anyone. The only way you figure these things out is through using and refining based on the experiences that your users report back to you. So hopefully Ave has taken this into consideration. Um, I'm very happy they're working on the user experience. Um, and I think that's going to lead to a lot of success. And I hope the other DeFi protocols are doing it as well. But I'm really liking Aave because they're pushing out these updates. They're changing things up. They're not afraid to evolve and to change. Change is unsettling. I'm not going to lie. But typically, change comes with feedback. And that feedback helps refine the experience and makes it better for everyone in the long term. Typically, 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 if it's, you know, 
if people approach it from the perspective of doing that to create a better user experience, if they per approach it from the perspective of creating more money for themselves, a la Facebook, um, you end up with a, you sacrifice the UX to create money and that can be detrimental in the long term and all that fun stuff. But enough of me waxing and waning about that. Let's hop over to article number three, talk about Chainlink again, because Chainlink is just on fire. Like just dear Lord, uh, Chainlink is up another 13%. Oh man, it's closing in on 20 bucks. It's now a uh, top five by market cap. Uh, it's even attracted celebrities. Old Dave Portnoy, CEO of Barstool Sports, is keeping an eye on Link, tweeting Moon Talk after today's leg up. And then, of course, uh, the first line in this article is, there's no stopping the chain train. <laughs> Which just made me laugh. Just, just so much. Oh, man, it was, it was great. The chain train, dear Lord. So for those of you who've been living under a rock for the past, I don't know, five years, Chainlink provides decentralized price feed oracles for many prominent projects in the DeFi space like Kyber Network, Aave, which we just talked about, and Synthetics. Oracles are required to import real-world prices into smart contracts using these applications across the crypto landscape. They also provide real-time price information for services like Orchid's decentralized VPN and potential Ethereum's competitors, Ethereum competitors, Polkadot and Tezos. So Chainlink has been integrated heavily into all these different projects because what's easier? Developing your own Oracle system from scratch or taking a well-known project that's been around for years and just and is designed to link with other cryptos and just link it into yours real easy real simple and then you can focus on doing the things that you want to do to make your cryptocurrency great and you just pay Chainlink a little fee eh, no big deal well it's a big deal to the Chainlink good old link marines um, so Chainlink is up more than 900% this year uh, we already talked about Dave Portnoy. He actually met with the Gemini crypto exchange co-founders, the Winklevoss twins, uh, over at his home to dive into the world of cryptocurrency. Um, I saw an article that he invested, you know, 200k into Bitcoin and 50k into Chainlink. Uh, this article is like, well, he might have a bit more than that. Um, he might have increased his. That might have been what he already had, and he increased his stake to a million dollars or more. Uh, we're not entirely sure. Um, well, at least this article seems to be sure. That article seemed to be really sure, too, so I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but Chainlink also came up for discussion between Portnoy and the twins, um, but he didn't reveal if this new uh, self-proclaimed baron of Bitcoin, quote-unquote, took the plunge into stacking Link. Reports I have heard says that he has. This one says that he hasn't. I don't know. Uh, my report was only about 50K, so... Not a huge amount, especially given Chainlink's current price, but uh, Chainlink is not without competition. The Band Protocol has launched, and they're you know competing as an Oracle provider. Uh, there's also the Dia Network is also an Oracle provider. I've talked about it on this channel previously, but that's good. Competition is great. Chainlink is the dominant, dominant force. But much like Ethereum, if you don't continue to do the things that made you dominant, these competitors will continue to gain ground and may one day, one day in the far, far future, take over your market share. So 
it makes everyone better with competition. I hate monopolies with a passion, and I'm really glad that Link is doing well. Uh, it's getting close to 20 bucks, which is insanity to me. I remember reading all those threads with all these crazy chain link people back when it was like $3, $4, $2, like all these, and just being like, I don't know, what is this? Wish I'd listened to them. Wish I'd put some money into it, but I didn't, so here we stand. But still, if you own Chainlink, good for you. If you don't own Chainlink, eh, do your research. Take a look into it. I definitely am. But, uh, yeah, we'll see where Chainlink goes. Another couple partnerships, and they are going to be uh, edging in on that number four spot. So, all right, well, here, let's hop over to article number four and talk about Curve. Yeah, so Curve, it's a pretty new protocol. Uh, so they just launched its native platform token, CRV, like really new. Uh, it's provided as a reward for the Curve liquidity providers, so it's a DeFi project. Uh, on August 28th, CRV holders will be able to lock their tokens to accumulate voting power and increase their CRV rewards up to 2.5%, and users with over 2,500 voting power will be able to submit their own proposals to a vote, with those, than, with those with less can still vote on already existing proposals, but they can't put anything in there. That's not a big deal. Most people aren't going to be submitting proposals. It's more of a developer end of things. You know, if you're a user that develops for the network, which is entirely possible. There's some people out there, but that is beyond me in terms of coding. So uh, they launched this governance token on the 14th, uh, rewarding users that provide liquidity to the platform with the token CRV. So far, it's, it's a standard deal. Provide the liquidity, get more CRV, and it just kind of like builds on itself. Uh, if you lock 1,000 CRV for a year, you'll get a voting power of 250 VE CRV. And if you lock it up for four years, you'll get 1,000 of it. Oh, 1,000 of this VE CRV. Uh, but all lockup periods are irreversible. So once you do it, it's done. So that's going to be an interesting thing. Uh, VE and VE CRV stands for voting escrow. Um, it's gradually, you will gradually accrue voting power in the form of this VCRV or voting escrow. Uh, these tokens can be used to vote on a proposal submitted to Curve's governance protocol, the Curve DAO, or the decentralized autonomous blah, 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 blah. So it's kind of interesting. So you do that, and there's like a boost and all this stuff, yeah. Uh, you know, speculators are going to have to work out whether or not this is something they're going to want to do. Locking up the tokens is supposed to give, you know, it gives up the opportunity to sell them whenever you want. And the token is just a few days old. Um, it's about half. It launched at $13.31. Um, and it's down at $6.31. So it's fallen by about 50%, maybe a little bit more. Uh, and though, and, you know, DeFi is a is the bubble going to pop? Is it going to keep going? Um, you know, it's one of those things. These are very, very risky investments. But crypto has always been a risky investment. So do your research and do the best you can. But if you really like Curve and you're faithful to it, um, you, know, they, you might appreciate the extra control that uh, vote locking gets you. And you'll have more influence over the governance of the platforms on the network, and you can submit your own proposal. So the overall aim of this is to transition Curve from a fully centrally governed operation to a completely decentralized platform. 
and that'll put you know good old CRV holders up there at the helm of everything. So I'm pretty excited for this, quite honestly. Um, I think it's really good to see more and more new projects come online and start to like you know experiment and try these new things and we'll see which ones win and are successful and which ones fall by the wayside and collapse um you know this is how you know a market works this is why 2018 and 2019 were such rough years because we shedded a lot of really crappy protocols that um they were designed to make money weren't designed to actually solve a problem in the world and that's why you see I, I honestly believe if you're in like the top 30 coins by market cap maybe even the top 40 or top 50 um, those are pretty safe options for you at this point because if it's been in that part of the market long term like if curves in the top 50 by market cap it's a few days old if you got something that's in the top 50 by market cap and it's been around you know, since 2017, 2016, I think that's a pretty safe bet because it's survived multiple ups and downs in the market. It's probably got a pretty solid development team and a pretty solid user base. Um, and I think those are the ones that you'll see long, you're more likely to see good long-term growth. I can't promise it because no one can promise it, but I think you've got a better chance than something that popped up a few days ago. But Curve's still something to watch. We'll see how it goes. All right, and let's pop over to article number five real quick so that way I can finish this up. So Curve is a DeFi program, and now I'm going to talk about DeFi programs as a whole. So if you've used Blockfolio, I don't know about you, but it was asking me a crap ton to um, do like this poll. So despite an increasing number of DeFi projects, people are still unsure what DeFi is exactly. A poll conducted by Portfolio Tracker Blockfolio showed, like I said, I saw it. I didn't actually participate it in. I didn't like how they were worded. Um, so it asked the level of involvement users have around DeFi. They got about 9,000 votes. 32% of the responders answering said they don't know what DeFi is or have no involvement at all. Uh, and those who said they are curious and want to learn about DeFi is about 39%. Only 10% said they had high farming yields, and 19% are new to DeFi but have tried it. Uh, I didn't really like how that was worded. I felt like it should have just been a sliding scale. How familiar are you with DeFi? Zero being not at all, five being I use it, and, and whatnot. But that's just my personal opinion. Um, I personally would have fallen into that majority, which is at about 39%, that I'm curious and I want to learn more about DeFi. But I feel like I've learned a decent amount of DeFi, but I'm still on the fence of whether or not I should invest in it um, for a multitude of reasons. If you think you can convince me down in the comments, go right ahead. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. But the, despite the unfamiliarity of many, DeFi is still growing. Uh, it's moving from a niche market this year. That's reached a milestone hitting $4 billion in value. I think it just hit $5 billion, actually, so this article like outdated at like a day old but developing DeFi is seen as one of the most important tasks ahead for the crypto industry and while DeFi projects continue to sprout it seems more education is needed if only to just explain what it's about um yeah no that's the thing there's not actually a, a huge number of users in the DeFi space for the amount that's locked because people you know they put their money on the the proposal they lend it out 
use what they lend to borrow and then take what they borrowed, lend it out, and then take what they lend it and borrow back. So they're earning the native token as a reward for doing all of this, and that's essentially how yield farming works. They keep lending and buying, lending and buying, lending and buying, to the point where they're making more than what they would owe. So if you're a expert at it, you're really good. You can make a really good profit, but you've got to know exactly what you're doing, and it typically requires that you have larger, larger amounts of a cryptocurrency to play with. Because gas fees are astronomical on Ethereum right now due to this boom. So the actual number of users might only be in the tens of thousands across all the protocols combined, but it balloons the total value locked because they keep borrowing things back and forth and relocking them. So it's just something to keep an eye on. DeFi is still, I think, going to be like a long-term thing that is going to be around for a while. But I do think there is a bubble to it, you know, just like the housing bubble it, in 2008. It popped. Houses didn't go away, but the way we buy houses and rent houses definitely changed as a result of what happened. So that's my opinion on that. There we go. And just like that, we made it through all five articles. So stand up, stretch, crack your back like me, because it's finally feeling better, guys, but it's still a little bit rough. Let's hop on over to article number six. All right, well, hey, let's hop on over to numero six. So uh, Bitcoin's hash rate's uh, hitting a record average high. Uh, according to this article, it had a 12K price in sight. I believe currently, however, it is above 12K, so that's good news for us. Most people are saying once we, uh, if we can hold above there and get to 14, Ooh, we're going to be sitting pretty, and that's when the explosion should happen. <laughs> so, so as the price of Bitcoin is currently meeting resistance at 12,000, which it is above. Last time I checked, but we'll see if it is come the end of this video. Its hash rate hit a new all-time high. So, data from blockchain.com confirms that on August the 15th, Bitcoin's seven-day average hash rate reached a new peak of 129.075 terahertz a second. This achievement comes after two weeks of fairly stagnant hash rate growth with the previous record set on July the 28th. So, yeah, we're at a new high. Pretty interested to see how it goes. Uh, the hash rate is an estimate of how much computing power miners are devoting to processing Bitcoin transactions. Higher average suggests that miners have more faith in profitability, so there's generally a strong correlation between hash rate and price. Yeah, we want that. We want that. Then there's also, you know, Bitcoin correlates to gold pretty heavily as well. Um, due to the fact they're both kind of seen as safe haven assets. Uh, many investors are turning away from traditional finance during the Federal Reserve's and other central banks' response to the pandemic, which have been, they've been doing the best they can given the situation, but it's not enough. Uh, price of gold recently passed $2,000 an ounce as Bitcoin may be in the early stages of its own bull run. Uh, Bitcoin investor Max Kaiser said that billionaire Warren Buffett's recent investment in gold could push the price of Bitcoin to 50K. Ooh, a 50k Bitcoin would be nice personally. Uh, let's let's shoot for the moon here, and I want to say uh, 100k Bitcoin. Yeah, 100k Bitcoin. That'd be good. Oh, that'd be really good. I know all of you would agree with that. 
But yeah, so the hash rate power is showing that uh, they think it's probably more profitable. Bitcoin's above 12K. That's a pretty green day in the market from what I've been seeing prior to uh, starting this video. And gold is up a lot. Warren Buffett's not really big on Bitcoin, but he's big on gold. And Bitcoin and gold are pretty closely correlated right now. So it remains to be seen if that correlation continues when the market uh, recovers or if Bitcoin continues to outpace everything and grow. Um, I'm leaning towards the latter option personally, but I know I'm a little bit biased. But hey, let's hop on over and talk about Ethereum's option data. This is a bit more of a technical analysis type article, which I'm not really a huge fan of. I've mentioned it in the past, technical analysis is great when you're just looking at charts and patterns and everything like that on the page. But much like how a blockchain needs an oracle to bring in real world data, your technical analysis means absolutely nothing. Um, if say a hacker breaks into Twitter <laughs> and starts posting up scam pages for Bitcoin, um, that's just one example. We didn't see a really big drop from that, but that's kind of what I'm getting at. Technical analysis focuses everything on the, the trends and the data inside the program and what you can see, but you can't take into account just how the real world throws things at you randomly. So while it can increase your chances of getting things right, it's by no means perfect. So my personal disclaimer aside, open interest on Ethereum futures has grown over 250% over the past three months. Uh, this incredible buildup occurred as the cryptocurrency broke the $400 resistance level. Uh, it hit its highest level in two years because of it. Unfortunately, there's no way to ascertain whether futures contracts are mostly used for protection or are the result of increasing leveraged bets on Ethereum price reaching 500. Uh, the only reliable information for such a market is the basis, which is the comparison of futures contracts prices versus the spot price of the asset on the open market. Currently, however, these one-month futures contracts are trading at a 20% annualized premium, indicating that buyers are betting that Ethereum's price is going to rise. Um, so despite this strong sense of bullish sentiment in futures markets, the put-call ratio is sitting at a neutral position. With calls and put options, open interest is virtually balanced. You want to see um, call options be higher because they're more bullish, is my understanding. Um, but the September options overall appear bullish. Um, there's, oh my goodness, there are currently 993.3 thousand options from 340 up to 880 for the September expiry date, which occurs on the 25th at the end of the quarter. Options with a higher strike have lower market prices. The odds are smaller. Like this thing goes under, but the, the summary is that $500, it seems feasible. Like technical analysis supports the 500 in this instance. I think the real world factors also line up. Uh, funnily enough, Ethereum's testnet actually had a pretty big issue. Medallia, their Prism client crashed, but it didn't take the whole test network down because they had such a big and decentralized one, but it allows them to be like, okay, we'll fix that. So it's not a problem in the mainnet. That is what a testnet is for. Um, so I think things like that I'm going to contribute to a bullish sentiment that will push the already bullish technical analysis thing 
into that $500 range. I don't think technical analysis gets us there. That's just what traders are gonna be trading towards because that's what the data they have tells them. But I think the real world um, is lining up with the technical analysis at this point. It's when they don't match up that I get really eh, unsure about things. So pretty excited for that. A $500 Ethereum would be awesome. Um, personally, I think Ethereum should be worth 800. Like, it, it's got the DeFi backing it. It is the place to go for just DApps in general. They're finally moving on their, you know, Ethereum 2.0. We get phase zero at the end of this year. I think Ethereum is undervalued currently. Um, so I'm excited to see where it continues to go. So cool. All righty. Uh, here's another little speculative article over from Crypto Potato uh, asking, is Bitcoin still considered cheap? Um, for those of you who know, Bitcoin is uh, it's surged about 33%. Um, and some people are starting to speculate that this currency now, uh, Bitcoin might be too expensive and the trains left the station. However, if you look at Bitcoin's pre-programmed deflationary mechanism and several macroeconomic factors, the asset's price may actually still be cheap. And I'm thinking a lot of people are betting that as well. I am. Uh, before we begin, let's face some sizing facts. As of writing these lines, Bitcoin's total market cap is approximately $220 billion. The entire crypto market cap is $370 billion. The last all-time high in 2017, it was an $800 billion peak. Uh, in contrast, all gold existing is worth $12 trillion, and the world's 2,000 billionaires alone are worth $8 trillion, so the stock market's value is roughly $100 trillion. So Bitcoin is pretty uh, small in the grand scheme of things. Bitcoin is actually worth less than Jeff Bezos, which is disgusting. Anyways, um, but despite you know multiple substantial price dives, um, the increase is much more evident. Bitcoin over the past decade has delivered a return on investment of almost 9,000%, which is just insanity if you ask me. Uh, Bitcoin also kind of moves in these extensive cycles according to some theories. Um, you know, And each cycle is longer than the previous one. And we've gotten through three. And the last one ended with the 2017 bull run when Bitcoin hit 20,000. And then we hit this long multi-year trough of just kind of ball. So what we're hoping for is that this fourth cycle is going to continue and end in late 2022. And that when it ends, Bitcoin could be as high as $100,000. Just a... Uh, quick 10x from about, about 10x from where it is right now. So that doesn't seem too bad. Um, this article goes on. It's actually a really interesting long read if you want to you know, sit down and follow the link in the description to try it out and, and read through it. I'm not going to go into it too much more. Just that the crux of this argument is that Bitcoin is probably still cheap in the grand scheme of things. Um, if we're expecting Bitcoin to go to $100,000, why aren't you still buying $100 of it at a time? That's still a 10x. That $100 still becomes a thousand two years down the line if you have faith in the protocol. You know, or if you're like, well, yeah, it might 10x, but I think this crypto is gonna 100x. Well, that that's on you. But I feel like as far as the cryptocurrency space goes, Bitcoin is the safest bet. 
um, just because it's been around the longest, it's the most stable, and you know it's going to eventually get back to at least 20,000. Like, um, and as the adoption grows and more and more people buy in, I really do think it's only going to go up. But hey, don't just take my word for it. Do your own research. But I, I agree with uh, Jordan over here. I do think Bitcoin's still considered cheap. So uh, last serious one for the day, article number nine, then we hop over to 10 for a fun one. So Block.1 founded Voice. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Voice is a $160 million plus social network, which was founded by the EOSIO progenitor Block1. It's inching close to be fully operational. I did get an invite to set up my profile. I'd requested one like months ago, so it's kind of nice to be able to finally set it up. Uh, it's made its post finally publicly viewable, and it's a decentralized social media network. Uh, as of Saturday, yeah, users included in the site's beta launch have been invited and able to invite friends to join the app, while public posts are now available for all to see. Posts listed on a single page that endlessly scrolls, just like the, the rest of them, are mostly plugs of Block One's EOS cryptocurrency. Actually, I saw one with a dude's, dude just had a baby. So um, it's not all that, but you know for the most part it's plugs right now because it's a closed beta that just went open so we're going to start seeing a lot more uh, personal stuff posted up there uh, voice pitches itself as decentralized anti-censorship alternative to facebook twitter and medium the app according to ceo salah michael zalatimo encourages transparency authenticity and humanity by rewarding considerate posting with crypto tokens um, it's opening up to users over a year later. They originally intended to open it up in fall of 2019, but the project only entered beta testing in July after a pretty turbulent start. Um, and then finally, they're, they're starting to push through this, um, and potentially the end of this year, they're going to go completely live. I'm interested to see how it does. Like I said, I made a protocol on there, or I made a profile on there, um, I don't know how much I'll use it, but if it becomes like a Facebook Twitter type replacement, oh, it's good Then I got a username that doesn't have a bunch of numbers in it. So, ha ha ha, lucky me, early adopter. That's something to watch out for. Um, if it does really well, you could see EOS spiking in price. So, uh, if you think voice is going to be the next big thing, it might be a worthwhile thing to look into for you. But hey, that does it for nine out of these ten articles. But, uh, oh, Florida... For those of you who don't know, Florida has some pretty lax um, privacy laws, so it's really easy for those of us to, uh, our, well, reporters in general, to get um, access to police records. And so, like, all the crazy stuff that happens in Florida, it's really easy to find. And here's a good one. Former Florida tax collector used public funds for a blockchain company. Oh, yeah. In a report from the Orlando Sentinel, former Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg billed the tax collector's office $65,860 to buy computer services for a company he was setting up called Government Blockchain Systems, LLC. Uh -huh. Greenberg reportedly then reportedly returned the money in a series of checks. <clears throat> Interesting. So, Government Blockchain Systems was registered in July 2019 and listed both Greenberg and a Samuel Arms, President of the Florida Blockchain Business Association, Arms was hired by the Tax Office as a Blockchain Advocate and Legislative Affairs Director, but left in December. One of the tax collector's offices was listed as the company's primary address, and the company dissolved in May of this year. Uh, Greenberg told the newspaper the company wanted to create a system that would migrate residents' 
information from driver's licenses to a secure blockchain. And Florida has indicted Greenberg for stalking a political opponent. So just absolute insanity in this article. Um, it doesn't sound like he got permission from anyone to set up a government blockchain systems LLC. Um, it sounds like he paid the money back, so it was profitable, question mark? Um, just, what? This is a different kind of scam. Like, I don't, I don't even know. It's pretty funny, though. <laughs> oh, Florida, never change. You keep me so entertained. But hey, that is 10 of the trending articles in crypto news space. Let's hop over to CoinMarketCap. Oh man, yeah, Bitcoin, $12,186.39, up almost 3% on the day. Ethereum's pretty flat at $431.04. Uh, XRP's up 4% on the day. Chainlink's down 2%, but after the uh, freaking month it's had, not a big deal. Uh, Bitcoin Cash coming in at number 6, up 3.72%. Litecoin, number 7, flip Bitcoin SV, 3.31%. Bitcoin SV is up 2.7%, Cardano's up 2.3%, and EOS cracking in the top 10, just up. Uh, EOS is down 1.6%, but it's still in the top 10. Binance Coin got pushed down to uh, number 11 completely flat, mm, literally 0%. Crypto.com coins up a percent and a half. Uh, let's see, anything crazy? Tron's up 7%. Not too bad. I want to see anything crazy going on down here, like 10% plus. No, OX. Omnivise goes up another 17% and Ren's up 12.5. So, except pretty green day in the crypto space. Um, pretty interesting to see. I'm very excited to watch where everything else goes. But hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to it. If you've made it to the end, you better subscribe because. Uh, why not? I post almost daily. I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to deliver these things, and subscribing lets me know that I'm doing something right. Um, so thanks. As always, links down in the description. Please follow them, so that way you can learn more about the cryptocurrency space, so you can make more educated decisions. And with that, uh, my name is John. I'll be talking to all you guys probably tomorrow sometime. Hey, enjoy. <laughs>